Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Glad that you're joining us. Glad that you're here. Whether this is your first time listening or you've been listening to all 240-some episodes that we are up to, really do appreciate it. If you're at the gym and if you're making dinner, if you're driving down the road, wherever you're at, again, thanks for being here. We really genuinely do appreciate it. So today we got a great guest for you. Before we get there, let me remind you, if you would like to uh, to work with us and have us work with you and help you build and grow your speaking business, we would love to chat with you about our elite training program. So if you are interested in that and learn, learning more about it, then uh, you can schedule a free strategy session by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can schedule a, uh, a free strategy session with our team just to learn more about what it is that uh, we offer and what it is that you're looking for that we might be able to help you with. So we offer some different group coaching programs, one-on-one coaching programs. And so we'd love to, uh, to hear more about how we can best help serve and support you as you build and grow your business. So again, you can do that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right. So today we're going to be talking with Miss Amy Landino and uh, we have a wide ranging conversation. So we talk at the beginning here a little bit about how Amy speaks on kind of some, some broad topics. So how did she land on that? What was the iterations that she took to get to the point where she is in terms of what she speaks about? We also talk about YouTube. Amy has a massive YouTube following. And so we talk about how she has used and leveraged YouTube to, uh, to help build and grow her speaking business and how you as a speaker may want to consider YouTube as a possible content channel for what it is that you do, what it is that you speak about and who you serve. And then finally, we spend some time talking about uh, speaker agencies. So Amy just recently signed on with an agency. We'll tell you which one and why she decided to work with them and how that came to be and how it was not an overnight easy decision, that it was a really a long process uh, to get to that point. So a lot to cover here today. So let's get right into this conversation with Miss Amy Landino. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We have the always delightful, always sassy Miss Amy Landino hanging out with us today. Are you okay? Do, do you do you consider yourself sassy? I do. I've been called sassy a few times in my life. Okay, so that's something you can you're down with. I'll work with it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. Amy, thanks for hanging out with us today. Uh, we know that the speaking is one of a bunch of things that you have going. You have a, a massive YouTube channel with over 300,000 subs. You have a, uh, you're a successful entrepreneur. You and your husband have a very good business. You, uh, you're an author. You, just, you have a few things going. So can you give us a, one, like a snapshot of the Amy Landino enterprise, but then also like how does, how does speaking fit into the, the mix of all of that? Well, yeah, sure. It's Grant, I'm super pumped to be on the show. I'm a big fan of the show. So I think you're, you're doing such great work here. And it's amazing that I've gotten to a point where I can be on a show like this. So thank you. You're I think you, you're doing a good job of summarizing my uh, my whole thing here. It's a lot of things. I always say like, yeah. uh, nobody knows what my job description is. And really, I don't either. But what I will say is I can pretty much summarize it in one statement. I 
teach people how to go after the life that they want. So for a long time, that looked like how can you execute using tools to grow awareness around whatever you're doing so that that can help to get yourself there. And I'm still kind of talking about that just less on the business side and more on the lifestyle side. So if you watch YouTube channel, you're more likely to hear tips around you know, how do you calendar block your day or time batch so that you can actually get more done in shorter periods of time, be effective, and actually be able to spend other hours you know, relaxing and doing the things you actually want to do in life outside of work. So that's a lot of what I do. Speaking is similar to that, but I still love to teach video. And I feel like that's where speaking gets to have its like playing ground in my life right now, because I'm often walking on stages talking about how to leverage video, no matter what that looks like. It could be for business purposes. It could be as a speaker. It could be somebody who's just trying to share their passion with the world. So that's what I'm usually speaking about. And that's a, that's something I do every once in a while, uh, pretty consistently. I'm on the road a lot, but I'm also doing a lot of other things in my business that keep me yeah. So, okay. I'm curious. One of the things that you mentioned there is that you, you speak about how to have and how to get the life that you want, which feels like a big, broad topic, right? And, but one of the things I want to point out here is that this is not something that you kind of landed on from day one. This has kind of been an iterative thing in that one thing that we'll talk in a little bit about is that you, you know, you do some, you've done some work with, with Gary Vaynerchuk. And so it's easy to look at someone like Gary and say, well, Gary speaks on you know, pretty much whatever he wants to because he's Gary and he can get away with that. But the, but what Gary got started with as a speaker, uh, not even as a speaker, but just as a personality, was talking about one very, very niche specific thing, which was? Wine. Wine. So he started with wine and then it's evolved over time to this kind of Goals. bigger... I, I don't know why I didn't start with wine. I mean, honestly, it's referring <laughs> to me now. Like, where was I? Why, why didn't I just start with that? that was so crazy. how did you land on today? Like, what was the iterations that, that have led you to this point where you can talk more on some bigger, broader topics? You know... It's interesting because people think that I made a massive pivot. And I don't mean like all people. Like I think it just sure. depends on who they are and how long they've known me. But in reality, I've been talking to the same person the entire time. The reason I'm sort of in a broader space now is because where we were, I talk about things I knew. I talk about things I actually executed on. I don't just get on and talk in hyperbole. So when I was first creating content online, I was talking about something I knew really well, which was content creation online. Very meta. But you know, how do you leverage video as a whole, even before that, it was just social media tips. I was using video to talk about social media because at the time businesses didn't even realize that they needed it, especially here in the Midwest. It was like, what? Facebook is for the kids. Yeah. This is this new thing that's coming out. And then it became a business tool. So what happened was as I continue to publish, you learn a lot about your audience because you're opening up a conversation with them. Right. So if I'm telling you, oh, here's a tip on using YouTube, da, 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 the comment section, you need to be paying attention to. It may sound like a scary place and it can be, but if you actually listen to what people are saying, you learn a lot about where they actually stand between themselves and you and what you're talking about. And what I found was a lot of people were enjoying the fact that I could deliver information quickly and easily and, and make it seem like they could get started right away, but it didn't mean they were ready to get started right away. And they would start asking questions like, well, how do you make the time for that? How did you make the time to edit? How do you have time for your, the rest of your life and doing all of this? And it was that one word time that just kept coming up and this grappling with how do I make the time to do the things I want to do became yeah. the bigger, broader issue before they could come a little bit further with me and say, okay, now I've figured it out. I can start making videos. The video making tips were out there for the picking all over my channel, but mm -hmm 
the time they hadn't figured out in their lives. So that's where I was like, this is interesting. I have another thing I can serve this same community on. So now I'm going to do that. I have talked about video in every capacity possible. This platform will continue to change, but the basics of social and content are the same, no matter what the features end up changing to every year. So they're still going to learn a lot from this stuff if they want it. But now let's just talk about the issue that they're addressing at this moment in time, which is what good content marketing really is, is how do you figure out how to make the most of the time that you have and spend it on the things that you want for your life? That's what's going to get you to a point where you're like, oh yeah, I should be making videos. So I really just took a step back, not not a step back, maybe a step back in the relationship that I was building with my audience and saying, okay, cool. You now know this is an option for you. Let's figure out how you're going to make the time for it. And it sounds like this bigger, broader topic now because I added a sexy little tagline with it and people love it and I love it and I live by it. But it's really just solving another problem for the same person. So do you feel like you're talking about whether it's social media or uh, video or just content marketing at large, you're using those as vehicles to, to talk about time, the bigger piece of what is it that you really want and, and kind of a, using that as a, almost a gateway drug, so to speak? Yeah, I think, I think both and in, in reverse too, because I mm-hmm. think a lot of it is you have to make the time in order to make the content or yeah. people know they need to make the content and they can't find the time. So it's... Right. I don't know. It's a vehicle for both. I think it depends on the situation. Like I said, my demand for speaking is to talk about content marketing for the most part. Mm -hmm. So that's fine. And, but then I kind of have to bring it back to a base level of like, here's the time and the resources that you really need to be thinking about for this to be realistic. It doesn't have to be so hard as we think video marketing would be prestigious as we think our brands all are. Do we need a green screen? Do we need to wear a suit and tie? Do we need to have the exact right million dollar camera? It doesn't have to be that hard. But if you just do something really well consistently, consistently is related to time, then you've got a really good thing going and you can use your iPhone and talk about what you know. So that's what I think it gives me the ability to talk about. So it just depends on what, where am I? What is the demand of that audience? And what, right. do they, what do they want to know from me? So let's talk about the YouTube thing for a second. So for some context, again, you've got, uh, last I checked, like 320 some thousand subscribers on YouTube, which is an astronomical amount of people. And you've been, you've been in the YouTube land for quite some time now. So can you talk us through how does YouTube fit within your speaking and how does speaking fit within YouTube? And because obviously, again, you've, you've, that's a big place where you're known and have built a, a big following. So how have you used YouTube for speaking and how could speakers, should speakers be considering uh, how to use YouTube for furthering their, their personal brand and their speaking business? I know what everyone's thinking right now. Like, duh, Grant, she has 320 something thousand subscribers on YouTube. So yeah, she can get gigs. That's social proof. But that's actually not been <laughs> the majority of my speaking career. The, I'm just going to quickly sum up the trajectory of my YouTube channel. That pivot that I just talked about, that expansion of the conversation with my audience, really took place at the beginning of what year is it? At the beginning of 2018. Yeah. Beginning of 2018, I was like, let's break this down more. When that happened, I went from 80,000 subscribers to 100,000 subscribers in about two months. I got another 100,000 subscribers in hundred days and now I'm above and beyond, blah, blah, blah. So I've been on YouTube for 10 years. So if you think about the accumulation of 80,000 subscribers in that amount of time, which it really has only been since like 2011 for that particular channel, that's not the easiest growth period. However, that's when I've done the most 
speaking and gotten the most experience speaking because I needed to get on any stage that would have me so that I could actually get the experience to be, have this be a part of my career, have this be a revenue strategy in the long run. And it wasn't until 2014, 2015, and we're not talking about a tremendous following on YouTube on a scale of YouTube, you know, millions and millions of subscribers on lots of channels. Um, At that point in time, what it did for me was it got my face in front of other people, specifically event organizers, who were thinking, gosh, I wonder if we could find somebody smart on this particular topic that's good at talking to come walk yeah. on our stage. Because a lot of, I think speaking is starting, is seeing a really interesting heyday with the entrepreneurship community. You know, typically, if you really ask somebody, public speaking is a horrific idea and something they would never want to do. They would rather mm-hmm. die first. So when you think about how popularized speaking is now, at the time, it may not have really hit the ground running in such a way that it was public speakers in every aspect of content marketing, social media, and all these other things as much as there is now. So I think... Honestly, people were saying, I, we need people that can talk about video. We need people that can talk about YouTube. We need people that actually kind of have some business acumen yeah. and could walk on stage. And that's how YouTube helped me. I didn't even really know I was becoming a speaker. Event organizers were finding my content. They were finding it was interesting. They were finding I could deliver a topic in less than five minutes effectively and I wasn't hard to watch. I wasn't. It was. I wasn't droning on. It wasn't like you yeah. got to pause and then leave because you can't do it anymore. That was appealing. That made me come off like I could handle myself on stage, which I found to be completely ridiculous. Like I'm sitting in my own home office talking to myself in a camera. What makes you think I can walk on stage and talk to thousands of people? But it was still something that was a need. And if you can show what you can talk about and that you know what you're talking about and that you have some proven results here then that that was huge that was absolutely huge game changer for me as a public speaker i probably wouldn't be a public speaker if not for video actually i know that for a fact because i would never have even considered i could be a public speaker until i practiced the ability of delivering content in some capacity and for me it was youtube and now a little bit of podcasting and things like that it's communication across the board yeah. speaking is communicating so if you can prove that you're a communicator in a lot of different ways it's helpful hugely yeah so do you feel like youtube and or even just doing your own podcast do you feel like that that has made you a better speaker yes it made me a speaker period i mean if we're talking about before before youtube before video I didn't know I had a creative outlet. I didn't have much of an identity at all. I was working for somebody and I was doing what I thought I needed to do with the rest of my life just because I didn't know what to do. Right. And when you, you know, quote unquote, discover your passion and all that fun stuff, like when you find something that makes you feel like you've hit your stride, it's so exciting. And especially even as an introvert myself, when you find a way to do it and you are so excited to talk about it, you forget that you don't usually like talking to people all the time. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. it, it was, it was a hugely eye opening uh, experience, not just because it was like, wow, now I can be a public speaker and like make that a certain percentage of my revenue, my business. It wasn't like that. It was just, this is adding to the identity that I really truly see for myself, especially when you start to have this change in your body when you get nervous about something and it's not that you want to hide from it. It's that you know that you're nervous because you need to lean into it. And that's, I think, 
been a big component too. So one of the things you're going to touch on there is it seems like you've had opportunities that uh, speaking opportunities that have come about because someone has watched one of your YouTube videos and just realized, Hey, this girl's eloquent. She's polished. She has her crap together and she would probably do well on stage. Now, one of the things that just to be devil's advocate on this is that I I get speakers ask me a lot, Grant, should I, if I have a, a YouTube channel or if I've done some Facebook lives or if I've done a webinar, can I put that in a, a demo video to, to give someone an example of what it'd be like this for me to speak? And I always tell them I would not recommend that because it's a different context. So like you mentioned, you may have hundreds of thousands of people watching a YouTube video, but it's you talking to a camera in a room by yourself. So it's a kind of a different context than you standing on stage in front of a hundred or a thousand or thousands of people. So how do you find that? Do you find that there's any? Uh, I'm not even sure that the question there, but do you find I, that I there's? I have an idea. I have an idea. Personally, I think you're completely right. I actually think that, especially this day and age, speaking trailers, speaking videos, they can be game. They can be hacked. They can be gamified. You could go rent some stage and talk to nobody and record it and make it seem like you spoke. Like sure. there's there's sound effects for that, and there's all kinds of things. So to me, I agree with you. But at the same time, I also think that you can show continuity of how well you talk about what you talk about. If we're talking about like a montage speaker trailer, the biggest mistake I see in speaker trailers is when somebody doesn't actually demonstrate the audio of them speaking on stage. They just show themselves on stage and sort of do some voiceover where they were sitting in a corner talking about themselves. Mm -hmm. That is such a huge mistake. Your trailer should be you talking your main message. Maybe it's a couple clips of a couple different speaking opportunities, but in between that, you could pepper in those smaller moments of this is a video where here's another part of the sentence in the video that contributed to what I'm saying in this overall message in this trailer, because then you start to show all of the ways that you communicate. The majority of that trailer should just be you speaking. I completely agree with you. But if you have a lot of things going for you, there's no reason why you can't do some kind of compilation that really shows the depth of your ability to communicate. But no, I would never, ever go to an event and say, watch this YouTube video. I should walk on your stage. It's abs. And when I say YouTube video, I mean something I filmed in my office. It's absolutely not good enough. It may have been a qualifier for me at the time. um, And it may have been super helpful, but there's also things that I talked about at that time. And being a woman speaker, being a young speaker. There were a lot of factors that weighed into helping me get those gigs. So yeah. the YouTube video helped, but it should never be your pitch. Right. So YouTube is something that's definitely moved the needle for you. And it's YouTube is the second largest search engine online. And so it's a great way for speakers to be discovered. But it's also not, um, uh, we were talking a little bit beforehand about how sometimes I think it's easy to look at YouTube or whatever's working for someone and be like, oh, well, Amy just created a YouTube channel and she got some bookings out of it. So I'll just, I'll just go create a YouTube channel. But there's like a crap load more work that goes into it behind the scenes that has led to this point. So you mentioned, you know, literally years and years and years of just consistent posting videos. So if, if a speaker's, if speakers listening right now going like, okay, maybe I should consider doing more with YouTube. What are some things that we should do with YouTube in order to get the benefit from it rather than just like, Oh, I got some old footage that I'm just going to throw up there and that's going to do something for me, which is not. So if we're going to double down on YouTube as a as a, like a content medium that hopefully leads to gigs or just building our, our personality or building our brand, how should we best think about YouTube and how should we best u- utilize YouTube? 
First and foremost, I think the toughest thing for most people in business, most people that are maybe getting started speakers and they know they've got some footage, got some footage, a couple things here and there, it's you have to get it out of your head that YouTube is just a dumping ground for files. It's not. If you start treating it like it is your TV channel, like it is your distribution channel, and that an audience actually tunes in there for a specific purpose, it will hugely put you ahead of the crowd in the long term. Yeah. Um, so that's step number one. And then step number two would be, you know, get really clear about what you want to be known for. What do you want to speak on? Who are the audiences you want to talk to? You should be talking to those same audiences on your YouTube channel. And how can you start talking about just the small pieces that might be in your keynote or offshoots of those that can just be two to three minute videos. You want to make it quick and easy for somebody to go, this person is valuable. That's a, to me, I, I think that's the reason a lot of things happened in my career. I published the same days every week for three years, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and I published videos that were less than five minutes. I proved I could deliver in a short period of time. It makes somebody want to listen to you for a long period of time. If you can deliver in a short period of time, if you can be generous, if you can you know, allow a lot of focus, but be generous with whatever you say you're going to do. Um, so those are the major things. Come up with what is the series that you're going to do on YouTube. It's not that hard. Industry standard on YouTube is one time per week. If you upload one video per week, YouTube is happy with you because that's enough time for a video to grow. The lifespan of a video on YouTube is 20 days where like we're fighting on social media for 24 hours. Yeah. That video can pay off for longer. You don't have to post as often and you can learn from the audience so you know what to do next. But at the core of this, at minimum, when you have that focus on this platform, you get to practice speaking. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, if you were able to film a, a video at the start, a five-minute finalized completed video in a half an hour, that's where I was, you know, like five years ago. It would take me about 30, 40 minutes to get to a five-minute result, publish a five-minute video. Now, if I want a five-minute video, it takes me about five minutes because yeah. I've become a better communicator overall. So I believe that the biggest benefit, not just growing potential social proof or a portfolio that can help your cause when you want to go out and speak, but it's just being able to speak better. Like at the end of the day, I don't speak every single week, maybe every other week because I'm very fortunate I'm asked to, but the reality is that you need to practice more often than that. And you can't just stand up on your fake stage and, del and deliver your keynote over and over and over and over again and get better. You have to learn how to take Q&A. You have to learn how to pivot when something goes wrong. My slides didn't work for the first five minutes of my gig last week. And it was great that I already knew my story by heart. But yeah. then I got to play with it. I got to be more playful with it. You have to be able to riff. You have to be able to practice that stuff. And I think YouTube has the ability to offer that. Cool. Let's shift gears for a second. So you have been doing some, you've been speaking for several years and then recently, I don't know, remember how recently, like within the past few months, signed with uh, one of the new speaker agencies, Vayner uh, Speakers, which is uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's agency. So I'm curious kind of one, how that kind of came to be and two, why did you decide to sign with an agency? And then we're going to dig into some questions about, we get a lot of questions about bureaus and agencies as, as if they're the end all be all. And there's absolutely certainly, you know, pros and cons to working with an, with an agency. And so how did, how did that come to be for you? And why did you decide to start working with an agency? So honestly, it's kind of like everything else in life. You decide to work with a person 
I think, you know, when you first start as a speaker, you're like, I need an agency because that's going to set me up for success forever and ever. And it's just like, okay, it's so easy to want to classify things a certain way and not realize how much work goes into it. It was like, when you stop looking, it happens. And Gary launched his agency and we kind of just mentioned to them like, Hey, like I kind of have a relationship with Gary. We're not like buds or anything, but he knows who I am because I've helped promote a lot of his stuff. And I think he is a phenomenon and one of my biggest digital mentors and motivators to ever, you know, happen. So with that, we just kind of said, my husband and I were like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? This is really cool. I just reached out and I said, Hey, if like I'm a fit, let me know. I'd love to see what you guys are looking for. Cause they said they were doing the agency before they announced their roster. And they actually wrote back and said, you know, we kind of actually had you in mind. We don't want to start with very many, but you were somebody that Gary specifically said we should talk about. And so we got on a call and discussed it and it was a good fit. It was a big decision in the sense that, you know, it's arguable whether you should be exclusive or non-exclusive with an agency, blah, blah, blah. I decided to be exclusive with them because I believe in Gary. I believe what they're capable of. And I don't have a lot to lose because I know that anybody that wants to help sell me, specifically one of the best salespeople in the business world and the marketing world right now, I'm game to try it. And I think that's the biggest thing is like, you've got to give it a try. You can't assume everything is going to be your end all be all. But I know for a fact that this was an opportunity for me to say, you know what, let me step up my game. Let me get a little bit more professional at this. And let's also, you know, potentially meet some new people and hopefully I'll be a good fit. Hopefully we'll be a good fit for each other and it'll work out. And it's been an amazing relationship so far. Was there any concerns starting with them given that they are just starting and they're, they're obviously, you know, sharp people, but also kind of figuring it out as they go? No, because the reality is, we're all trying things. Yeah. Yeah. So worst case scenario, we all decide like, Oh, it's not, it's not working out. Like it doesn't mean I'm not a speaker anymore. It doesn't yeah. mean that like my reputation changed. We, it was just a different experience for a period of time. You have to make sure that you're signing on for something that's right for you. I'm not saying yeah. that this is like, just do it. It's fine, whatever. But for me, I, I believe in what Gary's done. I believe in his work. I don't think I would have been so sure about any other agent that came my way. And in fact, I have talked to other ones, but I've never really gone looking for them. So that's yeah. why I've always been a little like, oh, like I don't really know what people have the ability to do. And I get plenty of inquiries. It was just a matter of what circles am I not in and what circles do I want to be in? What, what circuits are going to hire me that I don't already have connections to? Yeah. And that's, I feel like, where you find somebody that can be helpful in selling you. It doesn't mean that you stop selling yourself. You, you have to be a partnership. You can't just be like, now go do your work. Go make yeah. your percentage. Like that's not, that's not real life. But it's been a really great partnership because I have a lot of the same methodologies and ideals that they preach in their business to their own clients. And that just felt like a good so just speaking at, at large about agencies, what are the pros and cons of, of working with an agency? And again, not specific to, to Vayner at all, but just in general, because sure. there's certainly there's upside and there's certainly downside to it. So what have you found or like, as you were processing it, what did you find to be the, the pros and cons? I, my immediate, as I was sort of like bringing in my personal board of advisors on this, like, what do you think? Like asking speakers who have a lot of experience in the, in this world, like, what do you think? And, and everybody sort of said, like, why would you be exclusive? That's, you know, it's your talent. You shouldn't have to be exclusive. So I suppose that could be a con to, in some people's opinion. And it definitely depends on who you are and where you're at. I still feel even after five or six years of speaking, 
that I have a lot of room to grow and I have a lot that I can do and I'm not necessarily a power player. So it made sense for me to go, you know what? Yeah, I, I want to be exclusive. Let's see how this goes. I want that experience. Yeah. So I think that's a con a lot of people would talk about. Um, certainly people brought it to my attention and I just ultimately decided it was right for me. I've had a lot of pros. If you are independent, if you are a freelancer, if you are someone who has kind of a one-woman show, I don't have a one-woman show, but I'm a very small operation and I like to keep it that way. But that means my team is really busy and the extra steps of going back and forth, negotiating, pricing on speaking and travel and booking everything and getting contracts signed. I like for that to be in the hands of somebody who's doing it for some of the finest in the business. That's a huge pro. So that's a big pro. They also are able to look at if someone's inquiring with them about someone, they're able to say, well, you might want to think about a couple of our other speakers as well, because there's incentive for the agency to now kind of find an upselling opportunity here. And I believe that I'm getting a little bit of benefit of that strategy as well. So that's been a pro for me too. I think those are the major things. It's only been a couple of months, but it's been worth every cent of the percentage that they require because I don't get on a plane unless I know money is in the bank at the agency. And I just get on usually a first or business class flight, go do my job. And then I get home and I get paid. Like, I think that's great. I don't have to have my team hustling for where the money is. I don't have to have all that. They're taking care of everything. They don't even make me think about it. That's a pretty big, if it's the right agency, it's a pretty big pro. So one thing I want to come back on that, that you touched on earlier is that you've had a bit of a, a friendship with, with Gary for a, a couple of years now. Um, so this wasn't something that was something where uh, on Friday, I decided that I'm, I, I need to find an agent. And on Monday, I, I got one. That was easy. But really, one of the things we talk a lot about on the, on the podcast is speaking like a lot of things is this is a very much a relationship business and relationships take time. And so whenever you started to form a relationship with Gary years and years ago, it wasn't like someday, someday that guy's going to have a, an agency. I'm going to be on his radar then, right? It's just one of those like, I'm, I'm just, I have no long-term agenda here other than let's build this relationship. And wow, this opportunity today came out of something where seeds were planted years and years and years ago. And it's one of those things that it, it, it having a long-term perspective was obviously very valuable in this sense. It's very valuable for the YouTube channel where it would have been real easy to quit when like getting those first hundred subscribers or first thousand subscribers feels like it takes forever. Uh, and now you can do that in a day. So how do you keep a long-term perspective in uh, with the agency? How do you keep a long-term perspective with the, with YouTube, with your speaking business and just overall business uh, so that you're not being, I guess at times that you're not feeling completely discouraged? Yeah, it's tough because like, in every way, in everything we're talking about, YouTube content speaking, it's the long, hard road. And nobody wants to hear that when they're starting. Yeah. But the reason it is, is it's relationship building. I think the one thing I've always done in the case of Gary, in the case of any subscriber that came my way on YouTube, it was always like, I just want to help this person. If you really genuinely feel that at your core, you're going to be so good in like five, maybe less years, because it is going to set you up for so much success. The number of people that go in 
with the wrong goal orientation in mind and think they need to achieve it in an unreasonably short period of time with no relationships to back it up and no track record, it's really unfortunate because if they just simply shifted gears to how can I help people from how do I help myself, it's that simple. I mean, when I first found out about Gary, I read his book and a couple books later, well, one book later, I guess I can't remember a couple books later. It, I just loved it so much. Yeah. I made a musical book review about it, which is ridiculous. Like it's just ridiculous, but it was so ridiculous. He loved it. And it was for no other reason than like, you know what? I just wanted him to know that that's how much I loved his book and that I thought every one of my clients needed to own this book. That is how I genuinely felt. So I did something to demonstrate that whenever I come up with some crazy, awesome tip and I'm like, Oh my God, everyone needs to know about this. I make a YouTube video about it because that shows the person I want you to know this because I know it and I can't keep it inside myself anymore. I genuinely want you to have this help because it's helping me. When you start thinking that way, everything pays off in the end. It just does. It's just a matter of time. But you know, some, one of the first people I ever met at a networking event, simply by following up with them every year and being focused on how I nurture my own network, tracking it in a contact manager and saying, hey, how are you? Can I help you every year? That person ended up sending me my highest paying gig up until two years ago, eight years after we met. You yeah. have to meet people, even if you don't see their face, they're an avatar online, and you have to say, how can I help them? And yeah. when you really approach it that way, it, it will help you a lot to not be so discouraged because at least you kind of have the short-term effect of someone's comment that said that was really helpful, like that yeah. got me the day it's still going to be a long, hard road. Those are still all things that it's like, doesn't pay the bills. But the reality yeah. is it's what you got to do to pay the bills. Very true. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Uh, this was phenomenally uh, insightful and helpful. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to in all the places and all the lands, uh, where can we go? I guess the obvious would be to say youtube.com slash TV. I published a lot of stuff there. That's definitely helpful for speakers to manage their time. So go check that out. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Thanks for having me, Grant. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Amy. Again, make sure that you check out her on YouTube, youtube.com slash TV. She's got a lot of great content there, a lot of great stuff, a big archive, big backlog and uh, of different videos that uh, you'll want to see. So make sure you check that out, serve and support her and uh, what it is that she's up to there. All right. So uh, again, like I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to, uh, if you want our help in building or growing your speaking business, then you definitely want to apply for our elite program. You can do that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply and uh, schedule one of our uh, strategy sessions and our, our team would love to talk with you about what you're looking for and how we can best uh, help serve and support you in your speaking business. So again, those calls are free and uh, we'd love to chat with you. So again, stop by and check it out over at thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, my friends, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.